Hustle and Heart Studios presents Going Viral, staying sane, healthy, and connected during the coronavirus outbreak of 2020. Yes, we have a new normal, people, and it's all about social distancing, homeschooling, staying home, self-quarantining, and trying to stay healthy during this crazy time. I'm your host, Melissa Rush, and this is a new segment called Going Viral. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and every place that you listen to podcasts. This is going to be a dial-in, FaceTime podcast where people can call in, express their concerns, their triumphs, their little victories, or in their hardships. So this is a time for everybody to stay connected and support each other. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Melissa Rush, and this is Going Viral, the podcast. Let's do this. You want a hot body? You want a work bitch? You want to live fancy? Live in a big mansion? You better work bitch. You better work bitch. You better work bitch. Now get to work bitch. I am on all the dating apps to try and meet someone that will see a redeeming quality of me. I am. And I did recently have some success on that new dating app, uh, Uber. <laughs> It's like, holy shit, you have a car and a job? Hello! (laughs) My dad's been trying to get the difference between Uber and Tinder because he's really trying to be up with technology. He gets so confused about the difference between Uber and Tinder. And I genuinely have to take some of the blame because recently we were on a family vacation and I left with John in a Honda Civic. He was like 25. Did not get home until the next morning. Same outfit but it was Ron with a minivan, a couple of car seats in the back, like 52. That's when I had to explain to my dad, like, Dad, if that was Uber, I would have had to pay for it. Can't be left swiping a guy because he's got a couple of kids, you know? I'm so excited to have you. This is my guest today. I'm so excited. This is Trisha Ald. She is a Hello Bo- everyone. Hello everyone. She's a Boston area comedian and I'm so excited to talk to you all about your career, what's happening right now because of coronavirus. Hi Melissa, how are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to see you. I know it's great to see you too. Happy Thursday, whatever day it is. I know. I just say Groundhog's Day because I, I yeah. have no idea. I took a nice shower for you. I know. I blow dried my hair. It was so great to have a reason to put on mascara today. Really? Yeah. You didn't I, get full. You didn't get full face. Uh, no did, blush. No eyeliner. Just standard basics. You have beautiful skin. You look great to me. But I, I didn't get a chance to blow dry my hair because I was. I just stayed in the shower for so long. I was in there for like yeah. 20, 25 minutes. And then I was like, oh my God, I have a podcast with Trisha. I got to get out of the shower. This is, Hi. My, this is my little Abby here. Hi, Abby. I have a sister named Abby. Oh, you do? I know you yeah. have four sisters. Yeah, one of five girls. Oh my God. I know that when we talked the other day, you know, your gigs are obviously can't happen right now. Tell me how you're doing and tell me sort of how you got started and- yeah. I mean, first I'd like to say anyone who's listening, who lives with an artist, you are truly in my thoughts and prayers, including my roommates who have been very patient. Um, you know, I'm, I'm creating bits almost daily because I don't have my creative outlet right now. Um, anyone that's interested, I do a very, I have a very robust Instagram, um, account. So I do a lot of storylines on my Instagram. Um, lately I've been like copying Britney Spears and doing Britney Spears impressions. Oh my God. 
Yes, she is. Um, I think she's been quarantined a little too long. She's, she's been quarantined for years, Trisha. <laughs> I know. I know. This is not just the start of her quarantine. That is for sure. Oh my um, God. So I've been doing a lot of that. Um, as far as like how things are going right now, I've actually, I'm such a social person. I am never home. I'm go, go, go. I I'm born and raised in in the Boston area. So all my family's here. All my friends are here. I have a big network here. So my normal is going to weddings, wedding showers, baby showers every weekend, having housewarmings. Like I'm just at that age where some groups of my friends are getting married and others are having babies and some are, you know, um, just buying their first new house and I'm in the thick of it. And so it's almost nice to not have anyone's shit to go to. I'm like, what do I have to do today? Oh my God, nothing. Kind of yeah. great. Yeah. It's like how many, how many baby showers can we attend? I remember when I was your age, cause I'm in my forties, um, you know, every weekend it was a different bridal shower, a different baby shower. And I was single until I was 35. So oh, honestly, thank you for that. Although yes. I'm turning 36 in August. So listen, I, with the, with this quarantine, like how? How do we meet someone? Well, that we can totally delve into that. But I, I have to say, being someone who was single, just like you, but I, I really, you know, I was really a single woman for a long time. And it, it was really just, it, it was just a period of time where I was being with myself, being with my friends and, you know, just trying to not think about what other people were doing, but to focus on myself. And I think, yeah. you know, you might be in that position right now where you're kind of like, you know what, I'm going to build build my career up. I'm going to keep close with my friends. And then if, if love comes my way, then so be it. Is that kind of your vibe? Yeah, at the moment? absolutely. And it's not to say you're not incredibly happy for your friends and want to be there and all that, but there is definitely for someone my age that that's also out there looking for it. It's hard. It can be challenging to show up to every event all the time in your dress and your smile and giving them money and gifts and and you're just like, don't, don't I deserve this as well? Like when, when's this going to happen for me? When am I going to find someone that treats me like so-and-so treats so-and-so? Well, aren't um, you finding too that, um, you know, the grass is always greener because, oh, yeah. you know, in my age group, people are starting to get divorced. Uh, people get divorced, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, you name it. And, you know, maybe some of those girlfriends and guy friends that you have that have gotten together, you know, maybe they've, they've already broken up or maybe they've separated or maybe I mean, there's prayers up for them. But, uh, yeah. you know, based on, based on the numbers alone, I'm sure there's, there's gotta be someone out there that's part of that demographic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Send the divorced dads my way. They always <laughs> yeah. love me. Ooh, it's like, I, I'm like the unstable, unhinged like, <laughs> girlfriend that they would never marry. So they love rebounding. You'd be a good rebound girl though, right? Is I that- am. <laughs> Believe me, I have been many times. Oh God. Well, yeah. you know, I, I offline, I definitely can help you with any people that I know on my Facebook list that seem to be divorced. I love it. Yes. But- all I ask is first date, I need to see the paperwork because Absolutely. I've gone down this road a couple of times and some of the guys think separated is actually divorced and separate is actually separated. Oh my Another God. word for it is married. Right. So, <laughs> so tell me um, how you planned your whole wedding show. I, I was able to watch you. it before Thanks. I met you. I it was, oh my it. God, it was incredible. Yeah. For any of the listeners that are interested in seeing, um, you know, some of my stand up stuff. 
I do have a special that I, I created myself. I produced it and I wrote and produced and performed it. And I was so proud of it. I got to a stage in standup, which is very common at my stage. Um, six years in, I felt like I had refined my material as much as I could. And I wanted to motivate myself to write some new stuff because some of the stuff that I was doing on stage, I didn't identify with anymore. It was younger. Maybe it was the younger. It was you. definitely younger. I mean, I'm, I'm mid thirties now. A lot of it was like, you know, being single and scandalous. And I wanted to just challenge myself to write some, some better stuff. So, but I was still proud of how far I had gotten with the material that I had created. So I wanted to kind of honor it. And I felt like the best way to honor it was to produce something. So unfortunately, you know, Comedy Central, Netflix, Hulu, none of them were knocking on my door. So I was like, I'm just going to produce it myself. Yeah. You know, like I know I have an audience. I know that there's people who follow me and want to see this. And so I came up with this premise that, um, you know, all my friends, as I said at the beginning of our pod, it, are getting married and having babies and houses and I'm constantly celebrating them. So I got asked to headline Nick's Comedy Stop, which is a local venue in Boston, um, but it's it's known all over the world. Any comic that is famous now who started in Boston knows Nick's Comedy Stop. Um, Bill Burr did a drop in there last year that I saw because he was just like, oh, Nick's, this is where I started. <laughs> um, so I was so excited. It was my first time, you know, having my name be on that marquee and like I was the main event. And so I was like, what do I want to call this? And I called it, this is my wedding because, and like, also like, I'll give myself like pat on the back, brilliant marketing campaign. <laughs> I made save the dates. I sent them to every friend whose wedding I've been to. Oh my God. People I showed up it. with gifts. They were like, this really could be the only time we get to celebrate Great. Trisha's wedding. I love it. Yeah. So you had the I dress on. More. Yeah. You oh, had every. I, I had on um, a very hot jumpsuit. You did. You looked yes. hot. You look Thank hot. you. I appreciate it. Well, it was my wedding day, so I wanted to look my best. For this industry, I'm reasonably attractive. And yeah, I didn't say it was an Instagram model. When you're in this business as a woman, though, people often ask me what the most sexist things I experience or what the biggest challenges are. And I'll tell you, for me, it's when I show up to shows to perform with a male comic and then everyone just assumes I'm their girlfriend. <laughs> right? It's so offensive. As if I would date someone poor. <laughs> I don't have a lot of standards at this stage of my life, but some goals and dreams that are achievable, that's gonna be one. A 401k, that's another. Also, realistically, there can only be one egotistical piece of shit in the relationship. It's gonna be me. Thank you. And so when you produced that, um, you did a full 45. Is that what you did for your set? Yeah. So I did, I just want to call out that I, I really went another level on the art artistic side and I had my dad open for me. He's very funny and he killed it. And wow. What a beautiful venue. I daughter Trisha's wedding. Thank you to Nick's comedy stop for putting my wife and I on your monthly payment plan. 
so happy she's found someone after dating a lot, dealing with various online dating services, and especially even after looking through my files of eligible registered sex offenders at the police station. Good evening, my name is Jimmy Ald. I am not a professional comedian. I'm actually the father of the headliner of this show tonight, Trisha Rall. <laughs> Trisha is our middle child, and I mean right smack dab in the middle of five daughters my wife and I were blessed to help create. Wow. And what a creation she is. Yep. That's why I fucking look like I do, you know? We had two daughters, then Trisha, followed by two more twin girls. Man, the big guy upstairs has a really twisted and warped sense of humor. Right away at a very early age, as with each of our daughters, it was easy to see that Trisha had a very unique, independent, and spirited personality. I vividly recall when Trisha was in first grade, she wore a sweater to school one day, but took it off when she got to class, proudly revealing a Hooters sleeveless t-shirt. Yep, that's true. With an owl on the front with two big booby doop eyes right here. And large lettering that said, Hooters, more than a mouthful. <laughs> Way to make us proud, Trisha, seriously. Um, I had my niece play music um, beforehand, so I really made it a family affair. And right. we wanted to make the special 30 minutes. I thought, like, let's keep it tight. Um, so I did 45. We cut the video down to, like, 30. Um, but I'm really proud of what, what was produced. I, it's I, fabulous. I, it's on YouTube. You. Yes, yeah. Check it out on YouTube. This is my wedding, Trisha Ald. And we'll put all of the links and everything as I always do when I talk to guests, um, because we definitely want to get you know, everybody laughing, especially during this time. And, and it's a great 30 minute, you know, you know, comedy show. Yeah. Tell I feel like it's something yeah. different. Like even I'm getting sick of like the, the shows I'm watching. I'm just like, I know. give me something different to watch. So this is definitely something, you know, you probably don't know about it. Check it out if you're bored and like looking for something different. Yeah. Now, how are you keeping yourself busy with the comedy? You said you're writing. Obviously, gigs are, are indefinitely postponed. Is that correct? Have you just had to? Now, tell me, how has your um, lifestyle kind of changed since this whole quarantine? You said yeah, that you're I a mean, social person. Well, you're probably out five nights a week. Well, no, I, I mean, I do have my first vodka around noon. Um, <laughs> Cheers. Which actually isn't a change. No. <laughs> so things are pretty much the same. No, um, I'm kidding. I, I think just not being out. I've been, so I, I really actually am trying to take this time to, to work on myself and to focus on things within my lifestyle that have been um, not a priority. I mean, doing stand-up is, is really challenging. I have a full-time sales job. So I work a standard like nine to five um, in sales. And then usually after work, I'm going to do a gig or I'm going to workshop a joke at an open mic. So as far as like 
eating healthy meat, three healthy meals a day and getting time to work out. Those things have always taken a backseat for the last six years for me. So I've actually started working out. I've been trying to do, um, I'm trying to do a cleanse in May, like really healthy things for me. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, don't fit into a comic standard schedule. You'll be starving. You'll be starving, angry, but very skinny. Yes, exactly. Exactly. My roommates will hate me even more because I'm still an artist, but also I'll be literally starving. Um, not, no booze. Like, I'm going to try that. It'll probably last uh, an afternoon, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just I, you have to find creative ways to um, utilize your creativity. And I do that a lot online to kind of fill my need. A lot of other comics I'm seeing are doing, you know, live or, uh, virtual stand-up shows on zoom. And it's just, it doesn't feel right for me. I think that stand-up comedy is meant to be in front of a live audience, you know? Um, I love joining my friend zooms and I make my friends laugh and that, that like feeds that need for me. Um, I think that, um, yeah. And I think we talked about the other day that, you know, you, you have done a, quite a few guest spots on podcasts um, before yeah. the quarantine. And I think that that uh, is a great way for a lot of comedians and a lot of people in general. Um, you can get some great conversations rolling, you know, whether it's through the zoom or whether it's, you know, they'll put it up as a podcast and maybe let's kind of almost like a sketch comedy. Cause you're just chit chatting with your buddies and yeah. funny shit is just flying out of your mouth. So maybe that off the cuff stuff instead of the, you know, more traditional stand up. Um, yeah. you know, you can just have a laugh, a laughter noon with a couple of your friends, you know, yeah. and yeah, that could definitely. be something fun and to do. And a lot do. of comics are going live on Facebook or on Instagram with other comics and kind of just doing like, um, it's like a discussion just like this, like yeah. they're basically just like FaceTiming each other, talking through like what they're doing, how they're getting through the quarantine. I mean, everyone has their own, their own way of adjusting to what's normal right now. And, um, some people self-isolate, some people, um, you know, have 15 Zooms a day with each one of their groups of friends. It really, you really just can't judge how anyone else is, is coping with what's going on right now, which is why I find it so frustrating going online and seeing people like kind of berating other people for how they're handling it. Really? I haven't seen that. Oh, I have. A really? Lot. Yeah. What do you, what have you yeah. seen? I mean, I just have friends that are on such different like sides of this, like some people who aren't um, quarantining fully and other people who are like so intensely quarantining, like, and then berating other people for not. And I, I just feel like do what's right for you. Do your best. That's literally all anyone can do. We don't have control over this. It's kind of and like, it's kind of like, we do. it's like the new ang thing to be angry about. Like for, for those people that are complainers and whiners and, you know, dim lit candles, you know, they're always going to be negative Nellies out there. Right. So they're going to find the way that you baked your bread was not the way that she baked hers. And, you know, she didn't like your mask and, and it wasn't, you know. <laughs> It wasn't up to code, right? You know, right. or you you were six in in a quarter feet from your friend, not six. You know, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna have something to say. Well, every time I read stuff like that, I'm like, 
you look like you're at a public park with your child and yelling at someone else's child. Like just <laughs> mind, mind your own business. Like exactly. Do what's best for you. Let that, because at the end of the day, people want to think that we have control over this. We really don't. There's too many, there's too many ways that people can get this. All you can do is the best you can do. I know. What we we have to go to grocery stores. We have to eat. We have to be mentally healthy. Exactly. I tried uh, a few times to do some of the food ordering and I couldn't even get a time slot. So after like a week of trying that, we were like, you know what? We're going to go once a week. You know, I have realistically that option should be for at risk people. Yeah. That option should be for the elderly so they don't have to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because I, like I said, I tried to be good and, and do the whole ordering. I did it one time through Target because there was a spot and the, I must've spent like 150 bucks, 200 bucks. He came back with like $48 worth of stuff. He's like, oh, yeah. none, of, none of it was there. I said, what have I been waiting five hours for? I could have right. done this myself. It was kind of, you know, it was kind of frustrating. It wasn't the guy's fault. It was kind of the system, but right. you know, I'm putting down you know, dry food, canned food, you know, stuff like that. And he comes back to my house with two small bags. And I was like, what was that? So it, right. it was a little frustrating dealing with the, the actual mechanism of ordering the food. I have other friends that have like hit it just right. And maybe they're in the sweet spot and they get their deliveries. I don't know. We just, we just say to ourselves, you know, we'll order stuff from from Amazon or whatever, if it's stuff that's not food or, and then we'll just go pick up food. I mean, it's right. Yeah. They're doing curbside, um, at a lot of places too, which is, you know, again, we're all just kind of trying to navigate this. We're in uncharted territories. There's, there's no telling who's doing it the best way or the most perfect way. No one's ever done this before. So be kind to people, I think is the takeaway. Um, no one's doing it or handling it any better than anyone else. Yeah. Now tell me, um, how did you get started in comedy? Cause I was really excited. I know that, uh, your sister and I live in the same town. I think another one of your sister does too. And, yes. uh, her niece Gia was in my daughter's kindergarten class. So yeah. we found you because you did a, a, a fundraiser, a comedy night and everybody absolutely raved about you and loved you so much. So I couldn't wait to you. get you on here. Um, I really appreciate that. I just want to give a shout out to Walpole. I think it's such a beautiful community. Uh, my sister, Laura and Liz, both live out there. Um, they own houses like a mile apart from each other. Oh, nice. Um, we grew up in Waltham, so it's okay. a similar kind of community, but definitely like a close-knit community there. Um, and my nieces, Giovanna and Camilla, are Laura's kids. And then I have a niece, Isabel, who's a teenager, scary times, Whoa. Um, who is my sister Liz's child. And then we have our first boy of the whole family, uh, PJ, who's my sister Laura's um, young son. And we just, he's like, oh, he's, he's the your love, love. Of my life. He's so I sweet. know. And the thing that's so hard is that, you know, you have such a big extended close family and now you must not be able to see your parents or, I mean, it's none of my no, business what I you do, been, but. Yeah, we haven't. So we, I saw my parents um, once on Easter Sunday, but they stayed in their car. Right, right. Um, so it was like definitely from a distance. Um, we did a parade for Gia's birthday. It fell on Easter Sunday this year. So I have seen my nieces um, and my sisters. I haven't seen my parents, but those are, other than my roommates, those are the only people that I've seen. 
Yeah, I mean, that show that we did in Walpole was, honestly, you don't know what to expect when you do stand-up. Anytime you're doing, like, a fundraiser show, sometimes the audience can be tough or, you know, you're not the type of comedian that they expected. Um, I just love putting on shows that people enjoy, and it just, it was such a great show start to finish. We had an amazing headliner, Frank Santorelli headlined. I hosted the event, and... Um, I feel like a lot of people uh, followed me after. And yeah. It, it just was a great experience. Tell me, how um, do you prepare? Tell me, I know we were going to talk about sort of the nuts and bolts of being a, a comic. Um, yeah. How did you get started uh, in, you know, in a nutshell? And maybe um, we can go from there. Yeah. So I'm from a big family. I'm the middle of five girls. And uh, my dad was a cop in my hometown. My mom was a kindergarten teacher in my hometown. Nice mix. And yeah, it just, there was just a lot of comedy um, in how I was raised. And I developed, um, I developed a skill for just making light of really challenging times within my family. And I would be the one to crack a joke in the middle of an argument or crack a joke in the middle of tears, um, make my family laugh at the most inappropriate time. <laughs> it was kind of, I felt like it was my role in the family and I really took pride in it. You know, seeing my dad like steam coming out of his ears and then making <laughs> him laugh. Um, half the time it was like, he was angry at me and then he was just like, I can't, like, I can't, I can't even be mad at her. You're like one leg is out the bedroom window and the cigarettes yeah. out the window and you're <laughs> It's like yeah, hanging exactly. out, <laughs> and he comes and finds you. I bet. So tell yeah, me a funny, think, yeah. Tell me I like funny even stories. Just raised yeah. by a detective, there was just a lot of comedy there. Like we always thought we were getting away with stuff, and it's like <laughs> my dad, as a detective, asked questions before he asked the real question. Like we were just digging holes. We had no idea. We were just like dig, dig, dig. He'll be like, "I saw Jennifer earlier today," and then you're like, "Oh, you know, he's got." Yeah. He's already got yeah. you in the web of lies. Yeah, so there was just like lots of comedy growing up. My dad is incredibly funny. Um, he's a storyteller and, you know, he would always tell stories around the dinner table. And as I started getting older, I would be like, is that just a story that you made up or is that true? <laughs> so there were definitely some times he was like, you know, doing the comedy thing. And um, my extended family is really funny too. My dad's brother is really funny. Mm -hmm. He was a state cop in mass. Um, his sister is really funny. My mom's one of four. She has three brothers. All of her brothers are really funny. So I just was always around it. How did you get started? Like, how did you take your first step and say, I want to do this? Yeah. Um, so in college, I knew I wanted to do it. I was, I played soccer at UMass Lowell. And again, that became my role on my soccer team, just making everyone laugh, making light of loss. Um, and uh, after I just like really pushed myself to start expressing my creativity in a more structured way. So I started a blog. The blog was called Never Been More Single. And it <laughs> like, just like me chronicling like my dating life um, and my sex life, much to this, you know, my parents were not <laughs> you know, it was a simple Google search away. So, um, but yeah, I, I got a lot of attention from that. Um, and it was fun. Like I had a lot of fun with it. The stories were definitely like, there were like 
a little bit of truth to it, but like it was really just artistic for me. And I wrote that for, I think, four years before I actually started doing stand up. Okay. Um, so that was your I, writing. That was like your writing ground almost. Like that's where you were. Yeah. And people would reach out to me and tell me certain blog posts that they loved. And then I knew that that content was funny. Um, I did a lot online before I was like really confident enough to get on stage. But my recommendation to anyone that wants to do it, I wish I had done it sooner. Okay. You know, I, long, um, I would be way further along in this process had I just like jumped on stage the second I knew. There's a lot and, of fear. There's a lot of fear with putting your heart yeah. and soul out there. And I can understand, I, you know, I certainly have been a fan of, you know, comedians, male and female, since I was a kid. And I have heard that time and time again, that, you know, it's one thing to be an actor or a singer, but the stand-ups, I mean, you're just standing there and having to make a room laugh. And that's a lot of pressure. Acting, I think with acting too, unless you wrote what you're acting, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. It's not your, you know, your acting is your work, but you're, you're acting based on someone else's writing. Whereas stand-up, it's a full, you, you own the full process. I wrote this. I thought you would think it was funny. And now I'm presenting it to you. And to go through that full life cycle process and have people not enjoy what you're putting in front of them can be really challenging. Um, and then you you have to like look at yourself and be like, was that not funny? Why did I, why was I sick enough to think that that was hilarious? Um, but yeah, the first time I got on stage, I entered a competition and it was full, full artistic um, competition. So there, it was singing, um, comedy, uh, playing music and I won it. You're so kidding. I was like, oh, I'm like really good at this. But now that I'm in stand up and have been for six years, like it wasn't like a real stand up competition. Like I've been a part of other things now that I'm like, okay, these are like actual real comics. This wasn't just like a fun, like night out, you know? Yeah. Does it require, um, in order to kind of get into the scene, do you have to be a regular at like the open mics and kind of just start talking to people? How do you, how did you really get your foot in the door and, you know, connect with people that could have either become your mentors or your best comedy buddies? Like, how did you kind yeah. of find your people in that world? Yeah, it's, it's a lot more networking than I had originally expected. Um, you know, I think part of when you go into something like stand-up, you think you're the funniest person in every room. And I did. I believed I was the funniest person in Boston comedy. And <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know how to write. I had like a little bit of an ego and an attitude when I first started. And I think the community didn't really take to that because it's a lot of work. Like some of these people have been doing stand-up for 20 years. And I just like... I knew what I wanted. I, my dad got me into um, a writing class for stand-up at Improv, um, Improv Boston in Cambridge. And I remember sitting in the class and we went around first day and they said, you know, why, why did you take this class? And we went around the room and people were like, you know, I want to be a better public speaker. I want to learn how to craft a joke. Like, very normal responses. And it got to me and I said, I'm going to have a TV show. And everyone in the room was like, okay. 
<laughs> you know, that was seven years ago. I don't have a TV show, but not yet. Do I, do I think I will. I still believe because it does take a level of delusion that you're just like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to achieve these insane goals that I have. Um, so I kind of just, I don't think a lot of people who were in the community um, much longer than me and kind of knew the ropes of stand up, which I didn't know. I was like, I thought within three years I was going to be, you know, this wild success story. And it takes time. I mean, you know, every show that I do, I get like one or two followers and it, 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 dep it depends on the show. It depends on how I do. But, you know, I'm slowly building out my fan base. Yeah. And is it? It's a, it's a cool experience, but it, it definitely, if you think you're going to be an overnight success, it's, I think it's very rare. Yeah. Now you do, um, you, you told me a little bit about the different formats you do. So for example, you, when you're kind of training, so to speak, or trying things out, are you kind of sitting in on open mic nights and then you have regularly scheduled, um, kind of spots on a, on a lineup? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a balance. So I started making money doing stand up probably three like real money, like probably three years ago. And, um, you know, when I'm booked on a show where I'm making money, I want to do my best stuff. I want to make sure that my booker knows he can count on me. He or she can count on me. I want to make sure the fans in the audience, like really enjoy what I put out there. So I'm doing like my hits. Yeah. Um, if it's an unpaid show, I get a little looser. So I'll, I'll sprinkle in maybe one or two new jokes because um, you just don't know if they're going to do well. Um, and I don't want to derail my whole set. Um, but if it's an open mic, it really is just like, I just wrote this today. Hopefully you guys will think it was funny. Or I made my friend laugh when I said this today. I want to workshop how I can make other people identify and understand why this was funny. Have you had any experiences like in New York or LA where you've you know, or even in Boston here where you've like rubbed shoulders with people that you admired, um, yeah. or, you know, tell me about some of the, you know, cause I, I certainly love a, a good comedian and, you know, clearly, you know, like Chelsea Handler and Amy Schumer. Um, yeah. I love the ladies from broad city. I love, I mean, I, I love the, the, the gamut. I mean, Melissa McCarthy, even though she's not yeah. a stand up. I mean, there's just women that have physical comedy that I absolutely you know, like the, the women from SNL, like the Maya Rudolphs and the Amy Pollers, those are who I see myself as. No, I'm yeah. not a comedian, but I'm saying they're, I'm their audience. Yeah. So I consider myself, um, I'm not, I'm not a nationally touring act. I'm a local, um, comic. So I can headline in, in Boston. Um, I think, I have been able to feature, which is, so there's usually shows are set up. There's a host, a feature and a headliner or a lot of the shows that I do. Um, I'm usually either a host or a feature. So that means I'm either kind of bringing up the, doing my routine at the beginning um, and bringing up in the comics and, or um, middling, which is you just get on stage, you do 15, 20 minutes, and you get off and then that you basically prep the audience for the headliner. And both are really big jobs. Actually, I think a lot of people don't realize that the host, it's, it's very hard work because I love really the getting, host. I yeah. always love the host. Yeah. It's, I, it's a, it's, it's, um, the least paying out of all three, but I always, 
am like, this is way hard. Like I'm like running the show. Like I, I love having control over the peaks and valleys of shows. So if someone, you know, bombs, I love getting on stage and bringing people back to life or I love keeping the momentum or resetting the audience. If someone kills it and then there's someone maybe not as experienced up next, um, just like level setting the audience expectations and, and things like that. Like I love being able to kind of manage that process, That's but great. it's a lot of work. You have to be on the whole show as opposed to, I'm going to get up there, do my set and get off and I'm done. You can't yeah. do that with hosting. And that's a good, I mean, with the hosting too, I mean, think about how many jobs there are. There's so many reality TV shows. There's so many, I mean, hosting could be like, you know, whether it's on a radio or whether it's on a podcast or whether it's on, you know, like a, a TV show or something like that. I think a lot of people get started hosting, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, I look at Jenny McCarthy's career Absolutely. and I'm like, I admire it so much. She's, she's stayed relevant and, um, she's, I mean, she has a great career. She's certainly been, you know, had a lot of great jobs. I love a good host. I have to say, um, not that I'm, you know, a podcast host and Harry, I'm saying I love a host, but you know, <laughs> I do. I love to, I, I love it. I think it's great. And it is a talent and it is a skill and sure. I think it's fabulous. Cancel um, dates, I, move dates. How does it work? I have, we moved some days. So last year I was so excited. I had just started doing theaters which was a big deal for me, big deal. Um, much bigger venues. I did um, Cabot uh, New Year's Eve, which was huge for me. Thousand was person that? theater. It's in Beverly. Oh, wow. That's yeah, great. Cabot Theater. Um, so I actually am doing Norwood Theater Ooh. as well. So I was supposed to do that in April. So bombed it, got pushed out. But we have a new date for August 29th. Oh, excellent. So hopefully, you know, hopefully that doesn't, that doesn't get pushed again, but we'll see. And then I'm supposed to do Giggles August 7th and 8th. Okay. And where's so that? Giggles is in Saugus. It okay. actually is owned and run by Lenny Clark's brother, Mike Clark. Oh, great. So Lenny Clark is a staple there. Christine Hurley um, is a staple there. I'm working my way to be Ooh. a staple there. Um, it's a great little club and, uh, the food's awesome. So yeah. now what are some of, who are some of the, um, of your sort of idols or your, your mentors or people that you really look up to in comedy? Yeah. I mean, I'll start with Christine Hurley. Um, she is a local talent. She's a mom. She's married to a firefighter and has five kids. And I just <laughs> see so many similarities in her life to my own upbringing, just the chaos, the, you know, my dad was a cop, my mom had five kids, like all of that type of chaos involved in a big family. Um, and she's hilarious and she's a warm, nurturing, loving person. She's got me through a lot of stuff in, in stand up. I mean, and that's, that's local wise, but as far as like nationally touring acts, I mean, I love Chelsea Handler's books. I, she's the reason that I started doing stand up. Oh, good. And, I love her too. Yeah. I, so embarrassing. I pulled up this email I wrote her. It was probably like six years before I started doing stand-up, but it's like mortifying. It's like, oh I'm like God. telling her, like, I know I'm meant to do this. I just oh. don't know how to do it. She never responded. It's okay, Chelsea. Like, I'm not going to hold it against you. <laughs> we can I resend it. Yeah. And now that I'm doing stand-up, I get those messages oh. and it's just kind of like, 
it's very sweet. I try and be responsive, but sometimes it's just kind of like, you got to just do it. Like, I can't help you do it. Like you have to do it. So I usually just respond. If you want to do it, do it. Yeah. Because that's really all you can respond to these people. Yeah. We can't give you the courage to get on stage. I had to learn that myself. So Chelsea Handler, I mean, Amy Schumer, obviously, um, Nikki Glazer has been one that I've really enjoyed. Sarah Silverman. Oh, of course. uh, Bill Burr. I have to say it, Louis C.K. Of course, that's okay. You You know, know, I mean. Anybody, you know, anybody that, that has been in the business for a long time. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of great people out there. There's people that make mistakes, but what can you do? Right. Right. I mean, uh, do I hold it against him? I, I think it was definitely like, you know, irresponsible and, you know, immature and all those things. Gross. Yeah. But he's a funny comic. I love Jim Gaffigan. I have to say. Yeah. Jim's good. Um, there's just like so much, so many, there's so much good standup out there. Uh, there's room for everyone. And that's what I'm realizing as well. Like my roommate loves standup. I love standup and we both love different comics and we don't have the same style, but I always appreciate her stuff like the stuff she really enjoys. I always like keep an open mind and try and watch different stand-up that she's enjoying. And she's open-minded to the stuff I love. So I think there's, there's room for everyone. I know that there is an audience for me. I just have to find it. And I have to get to, I have to get that opportunity where I'm on a big enough scale so that those people have exposure to me. Right. And I think just like you said, networking and, and networking is kind of like, seems like a dirty word, but more like connecting, you know, kind yeah. of getting out there and connecting with people and, you know, really using and pushing that social media. Cause right now everybody is on Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. And I'm watching a lot of hilarious stuff. You know, I know you've been putting stuff on Instagram, but I can't stress enough because I'm, you know, I'm a digital marketer and social media person. And, you know, I really just, want people to understand you have to hit all the bases. You've got to get yeah. your Facebook on point. You got to get your socials on point. You know, you got to get your, your Instagram. People really want the quick, like you said, the quick, quick little short videos. I mean, I would say everyone's going nuts on TikTok and Instagram right now. So yeah. those are the places. I haven't gotten sad enough to get TikTok, but yeah, I downloaded I it. Of- yeah. I downloaded it. I, I personally probably won't do anything on it, but I enjoy watching, watching some of the videos. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I think this is an opportunity for, like you said, to, to take inventory of yourself, look at yourself, you know, how can I, how can I improve? I'm looking inward. I'm trying to figure out how can I improve my business? How can I improve my podcasting skills? And you're doing the same thing. You know, I'm yeah. sure you've got some great new material about quarantining. And we were talking yeah. about how the hell do you date during quarantine? I mean, when this first started, I was in a kind of long distance relationship. And honestly, like quarantine season, I've just been like picking fights. So I, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, he's like, can you just like start a Twitter beef with Trump? Because I'm not <laughs> like, I did not create this. Yeah. I'm like, why aren't you taking me out to dinner? He's like, I'm in another state in quarantine. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard. I think a lot of my friends that are my age and single, it's kind of discouraging because, you know, some of them want to have families and, Mm. you know, they're in their mid thirties and it's like, that's going to take time. It is. I don't know if I have that kind of time. Like we're all just kind of like, I give up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I think one of the things that could come out of it that's good is that instead of people just 
you know, hitting the Tinder button and meeting somebody on a corner, at least now you have to talk to them. You yeah. know, so maybe there's some sort of emotional. There, I mean, here's a little workaround, though. If you're on the dating apps, just meet at a grocery store. No one will judge you. <laughs> yes. Like, meet me in the meat section. Yeah. Meet me. I'll be behind the Her two market. cantaloupes. <laughs> Exactly. I'll, be, I'll be hiding in the feminine care products. <laughs> That's a tough place to meet someone too, though, because then they're looking at your cart. They're like, okay, I see your dietary issues. Yes. Yes. Metamucil. What's that for? <laughs> but yeah. She has, a, she has an issue with dairy. <laughs> a lot of almond milk in that cart. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, yeah, really. I like the way that you're, you know, you're staying positive. I definitely can't wait to see um, you know, what you're going to put out there. I know that we talked about you were hoping to do a podcast at one point. So there's all kinds of great opportunities during this kind of lockdown, even though it sucks. You know, I think getting it's creative. It's a great time to create a strategy for moving forward. Once the sun's like, these are the things I'm going to do that I haven't done that I said I was going to do. It's a great time for a reflection a great time also to eat healthy and work out because you don't have FOMO. No one's going out to restaurants. It's a great time. It's a good to money saver friends. too. Cause imagine yeah. like, although I've been spent, I've been buying clothes. Left oh, have you? I'm just yes. like out of boredom. The Instagram, I am being personally attacked by the Instagram ads. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, how did you know I wanted this $300 jumpsuit? Oh my God. You know what I bought? Oh my God. I bought a pair of fake bangs on Amazon for like $8. I'll have to show them to you. Cause I've had bangs. I've had every haircut, but in a million years, you know, and of course I need a color and I need a cut, but I bought these little bangs. They're like little clip on bangs. They're hilarious. My daughters have been putting them on. Um, so funny stuff like that. Wigs. We have yep. all kinds of things. I bought false eyelashes. I mean, just silly, silly things like that to oh, keep you my going. My first purchase was I bought a puzzle and then I was like, wait, I don't have like a puzzle table. A table. A, you just need I needed a, a specific table for my puzzle. I <laughs> and frankly, I haven't touched the puzzle. The pieces are just on the table. And you and won't. You, like, let's be honest. You're never going to finish that puzzle. It's never, never going to happen. And what you should do is just pile it up right now and put it into the trash. Right. I mean, that yeah, might absolutely. Just, that might just be you know the reality of what you was going to happen to that puzzle. When I told one of my girlfriends I got a puzzle, she goes, "Trish, I hope it's less than two hundred and fifty pieces because your attention span." Yeah, I was like, no. "It's a thousand. She's like, "You're no, screwed." No, and it's if like, you lose, imagine losing one piece. Can you yeah. imagine having a nine hundred and ninety-nine piece puzzle? What a buzzkill. That would be it, it's just worst day of my life. It's awful. So I, I, I don't even want you to go through that kind of, of, of sadness. Right. Um, I think we should just throw it away right now and, and be done with it. I'll consider it. Maybe get Maybe Jenga. Get... get Jenga. I have Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> I love I a good game. Like, some people uh, write on the back of the Jenga pieces. And then when you pick one, you have to like do whatever's on it. Like oh, a shot. Or... Oh, like a truth or dare Jenga. Like yeah, exactly. Oh, I love a good drinking game. Although it's hard to play with, you know, two kids running around, but every now and again, you know, when you get the friends together, you have a girl's night, we'll do the, you know, never have I ever. That's yeah. one of my favorites. And I'm drinking like every other drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, the older you get, it's like the more useless that game becomes. Well, no, like, we're all just, let's just all drink. No, I've had, it's funny. I've played those kind of games with girlfriends and you wouldn't believe the little Nellies that are in, you know, oh. Oh, I've never done that. I don't know who that is. You know, like they had the one boyfriend not, in high school not and then the they crew got married. I run with. Yeah. 
mostly not mine either, but there are a few where I like, they're shocked to hear some of these questions. I'm like, honey, live a little. Live a little. Live a lot. But yeah, I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk and I look forward to um, seeing more from you and we're going to get, tell us your Instagram, your Facebook and where we can yeah, find you. So my Instagram is just my name. It's at Trisha Ald, T-R-I-C-I-A-A-U-L-D. And that's where I do the most um, like real time content. So definitely follow that if you do Instagram. I do have a comedian Facebook page uh, like that. I promote on Instagram and Facebook, my personal page. Feel free to follow that um, or friend me. I usually um, accept if I have friends in common. So Facebook page, I have a Twitter account. It's my name as well, at Trisha Ald, T-R-I-C-I-A-A-U-L-D. And then check out my special on YouTube. Uh, this is my wedding by Trisha Ald. I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Keep us laughing. Feel free to reach out if you enjoy anything too. I love getting messages oh, uh, from people. It's really motivating. Dick, do you like dick pics? Or... Um, <laughs> please no. <laughs> I'm so it's out of just... it. I don't even know. Is that, is that I what you're you sending one, these days? You've seen them all. <laughs> I want to say you've you seen one, you've seen them all. But all right, like, people don't send true. those to Trisha. She doesn't want them. She doesn't yeah, want them. I've, I've seen plenty at this stage <laughs> of my life in real time. Those lines, it's like, what am I going to do with that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's useless. Throw it in the trash. Yeah, it's useless. Oh, well, I'm so happy that, that you're doing well out there. Stay safe and let's thank be in touch you. soon. Thank yes, you. Trisha thank you so Alt. much for having me on the pod. Thanks, everyone. All Follow right. Me. Take care. Right, bye, bye. bye. Thank you. My daughter, Trisha. Very proud of her. Fantastic and hilarious and gorgeous and brilliant. And I'm so, so friggin' proud of her.